If you found 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and you're able to, let's stand together. We're going to read these 10 verses here and we're going to get into the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I want you to see back here in verse number three, as we think about this weekend, and God had this verse on my heart for a while, remembering without ceasing. And he mentions three things, your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. And I want to preach for a little while this morning on this subject matter on a life worth remembering. A life worth remembering. Let's have a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. Lord, I'm so thankful that, Lord, as they just sang about, that, Lord, we can call you our God, our friend, our Savior, our Father. And so, Lord, I pray throughout this time. Lord, that you would challenge each and every one of our hearts. Lord, I I want my life to count for Jesus. I want to have a life that is worth remembering after I'm gone. And Lord, I do believe from the scriptures you show us how that is possible. And so Lord, have your will and way in service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This weekend, I am thankful, especially for tomorrow, I am thankful that I do live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. I am thankful for the privileges and the freedoms that we have been granted that have been handed to us with the responsibility to make sure we keep them and to be able to make sure we hold on to them. But I will remind us of this. Long before I want to be remembered as being an American, I want to be remembered for being a child of God. I'm thankful for the freedoms we hold dear to us throughout the scriptures. There is account after account of those that actually gave their lives for the land that they were possessing back in the Old Testament. 
we could take the time this morning and be able to go through. I've been thinking specifically throughout this week of those that have been given the Congressional Medal of Honor, those that have been given, whether a silver heart, purple heart, the awards over the years for their valiant service, for those that have laid down their life for the physical freedom, and will forever be indebted to those that have done that. But may I remind us, listen, as we think about throughout this week and throughout this weekend of the physical sacrifice that has been made, listen, there may be some here that may be used in their lifetime to be able to accomplish great things that may change history that your name may be written down in the, in the history books as far as a great accomplishment or something extraordinary or maybe a book that's written or maybe an invention, something that takes place. And we can look across our nation and say, well, that's what I want to be remembered for. There could be someone sitting here that maybe at some point in their life, maybe you'd become president of the United States. You say, well, I don't want that job. Well, neither do I. But if that's what God were to have for you and a calling and a position, but everyone, I believe this, no matter what area it is, I believe everybody wants a life that is worth remembering after they're gone. I thought for an example, as I look down through, you say, well, how can I have a life that's worth remembering if I'm not the president? a life that's worth remembering if I don't invent something, if I don't do something that's going to change the course of history. Well, let me ask you today, and some of you probably know where I'm going with this as soon as I make mention of the name, that if I would ask the majority, maybe you would not know this man, maybe a, name, a man named Edward Kimball. You say, well, I don't, I don't know who that is. I don't remember his life. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher that actually was able to lead a young man to the Lord named D.L. Moody. How many know the name D.L. Moody? If you were here at the church, and we went over a couple years ago, and we actually uh, held a conference over in Northfield, Massachusetts. And there was a Moody Auditorium over there that was completed the end of the 1800s, seats about 2,400 people, because several times a day, people would just flock onto that property to be able to hear evangelist D.L. Moody be able to stand and proclaim the Word of God. And thousands would come to know Christ. In his ministry, D.L. Moody would be able to lead a man named Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. You say, well, I've never heard of Wilbur Chapman. Maybe he was just one of the men, whether in Chicago or maybe here in Northfield, Massachusetts, that made that trek to be able to come up and to be able to hear the preaching of the Word of God. But God used Wilbur Chapman to be able to lead a man to the Lord named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday would literally preach in Manhattan at one point and preach six and seven times a day. And in a matter of about a 10-week crusade, they would fill the tent. Do I need to change to this pulpit mic? Go ahead and turn this off. I'll do my best. You'll hear this. D.L. Moody would preach in downtown Manhattan underneath a tent several times a day. And literally time after time after time, that tent would be filled to overflowing and hold a multi-week revival meeting down there and would literally change the course of history. 
Billy Sunday during some of those crusades would then have the opportunity to be able to lead a man named Mordecai Ham to the Lord. You say, well, I don't know that name, Mordecai Ham. No, but you may in just a moment because that Mordecai Ham, as he preached the word of God and as he was faithful, he was able to lead a man to the Lord named Billy Graham. How many here have ever heard of Billy Graham? How many here, can I ask this, because I know we had some in the years past that you were saved maybe as a result of Billy Graham's ministry, whether it be on television or radio, that Billy Graham was influential. Can I say this? We have a lady sitting over here now, saved as a result of Billy Graham's ministry. But may I also say, and I believe I saw her back here, that's helping to be able to disciple another generation that all traces back through. You say, well, I may not be able to do much if I'm not the president or if I don't have a, a, a big invention that literally changes mankind and changes the course of history. May I say it was a Sunday school teacher that, that put this course of events into motion by being able to lead, I believe he was about 18 years of age, and being able to lead a D.L. Moody to the Lord a faithful Sunday school teacher. You can still go downtown Boston on Court Street. I believe it's a Staples office supply store now that you can go down there just up the road about maybe 200 yards uh, from where the Boston massacre took place. And how many visitors go to be able to see that star that's right there in the, in the sidewalk there for the Boston massacre, but don't even know that just a couple hundred yards up the road is a plaque on the wall that says on this date, such and such a year back in the 1800s, Christian evangelist D.L. Moody was converted. The plaque is still on the wall in downtown Boston of where D.L. Moody gave his heart and life over to the Lord. And we have people sitting in our church today as a result of those being faithful down through the years, being able to lead someone to the Lord, to be able to see them discipled. Listen, at the end of my life, for the generations to come, not because of pride, listen, not because I want a big name for myself, but because of the cause of Christ, I want to be able to have a life that is worth remembering. If someone doesn't mention the name Peter Chamberlain a hundred years from now and say, oh, don't even say that name. And I see here in 1 Thessalonians, as I read down through this passage of Scripture, you have the Apostle Paul as he's speaking about these, these dear saints that he was able to, just in a matter of a few weeks, be able to preach the gospel to them, be able to see a, a core group of believers form. Then he had to be able to get out of town because his life was being threatened. And he's remembering back. And he said, there's some things that I remember about you. And may I share just a few things to us this morning that we see about these folks here that I also believe we could go back and say was in the life of a man named Edward Kimball, of D.L. Moody, of Wilbur Chapman, of Billy Sunday, of Mordecai Ham, and of Billy Graham as they preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, a life worth remembering is a life that has been delivered for all of eternity. It's a delivered life. You say, what do you mean? Well, listen, I'm going to show you this parallel 
between verse number three, and you have it there in your scriptures between verse number three, and you have verse number nine and 10. I believe verses nine and 10 explain verse number three and what this was in their life. First of all, it was a delivered life. It was a work of faith. Notice what he said down in verse number nine. He says, for they themselves show of us what manner of, of entering we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols. As he's speaking to the church here at Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, according to verse number one, he says this, this work of faith in your life is the turning to God. You see, so many religions around this world, they have the second half of that. They're trying to turn from a bunch of things, but they're not turning to God. You see, the priority when it comes to faith in our lives is not just the forsaken of everything else that's in this world. That's turning to ourselves for good works. But it's a matter of turning to God. And what Paul is saying here is, listen, a life that is worth remembering is a life that is a delivered life for all of eternity. You say, why is that? Because listen, if you're not a delivered life for all of eternity, you understand there's going to be some things that you don't want to remember. There's going to be some things that, listen, I don't want to remember about someone who's undelivered, the eternal damnation separated from Almighty God. A life worth remembering is that which is delivered. How many times we have stood beside a, a grave of someone who has passed or beside a casket beside someone who has passed and there's not much that we can say about the person because we don't know if they have been delivered from death unto life. We don't know if they place their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know if there's any hope whatsoever. And I thought how sad it is to come to the end of your life and not to have the assurance that you will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's a sad life. That's not one that is desiring to be remembered. Listen, to those that are not delivered for eternity, the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter number 7, down around verse number 23, that there's going to be those that he looks at and he says, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. In other words, I'm not going to remember you for all of eternity because I don't even know you. That's what the Lord is saying. You say, well, are there going to be those that are you saying that are not the children of God? Yes, can I remind you, we're not all born as the children of God. We're not. I understand what society tells us. I read it in a little statement that someone made on a social media post. Well, are you forgetting that we're all the children of God? No, I'm not forgetting that because that's not Bible. I'm not forgetting, but listen, the life that has been delivered is a life worth remembering. How many, listen, and I know that there's those that have passed on before us, and yes, we sorrow because we miss them and we want them as part of our lives, but isn't it wonderful when the memories are sweet? Isn't it wonderful when we can think back and we can remember their life? We can remember that they gave their heart and life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not a matter of saying goodbye. It's a matter of saying, hey, 
I've got the joy. I'll see you in a little while. I'll be able to see you in heaven. That's a life that is worth remembering is a delivered life. I sure pray this morning that, listen, that you have trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I pray that you know 100% not based upon your works, not based upon what you're trying to do, but based upon your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that you know that you're a child of God. There's no greater joy than knowing that we're a child of God and on our way to heaven. I thought as I looked down through here, not only that first thing of the work of faith, but he says this, and labor of love. You say, Pastor, where's the parallel to that? Come over to verse number nine. He first, he says, how ye turn to God from idols, but then I believe here's the labor of love to serve the living and true God. A life worth remembering is a delivered life, but then I also believe this, that a life worth remembering is a dedicated life. A dedicated life. You say, what do you mean a dedicated life? I'm thinking about having a life that is worth living and I'm living for a cause that is greater than myself. Do you know that you, as you come in contact with those people and you understand that those that you've come in contact with, I'm on the green one, those that we've come in contact with, you know that they're just selfish. You know that they're just out for themselves, that they're living their life, and it's all about the person that they see in the mirror each and every day. The Bible says here that you have a labor of love, and I believe that parallel is to serve the living and true God. Listen, there is no greater cause to live for or labor for than serving God. Nothing greater. What is it in the work of God that you are laboring for him? Now, I made mention of it this week. Listen, you say, well, pastor, I didn't think it was about our works. Listen, just because I do good works doesn't mean that God's going to allow me to get into heaven. It's not my good works that punch my ticket to heaven. It's not my good works that punch my ticket to eternity with Jesus. But I will say this, because I'm saved... Boy, there's a desire in my heart. I want to live for God. I want to work for Him. I want that labor of love. You say, why is that? Because of everything that He has done for me. You say, well, what's He done for me? Everybody go like this. (gasps) Where do you think that breath just came from? Who gives us life? Who gives us breath? That's what God's done for us. Hey, listen, how many were all worried and staying up all night long wondering if your heart was going to be beating all through the night or if your lungs were still going to be working? Listen, even David said, I slept and I awaked for thou hast sustained me. Hey, listen, when my head hit the pillow last night and I closed my eyes for that final time, I didn't give one thought. Listen, I wonder if my heart's going to work all night long. Now, some worry about that. Some wake up gasping for breath. But listen, it's God that gives us that breath. Now, if God gives us breath and God gives us life, then why wouldn't we desire to live for him 
and to have that labor of love. I get real concerned with people that say that they're saved, that they're a child of God, saying that God has saved their soul for all of eternity, and there's not one desire to do anything for the Lord. Well, I'll just live my life, and I'll do what I want to do. My life's not my own. There's nothing greater than living our lives for the Lord. You say, well, does that mean everybody has to be a pastor? No, absolutely not. Everybody has to go to the mission field, and you have to move to the jungles of Africa somewhere? Hey, if that's what God tells you to do, then I'm all for it. Get going. I'm all for it. Whatever God says that we ought to do. Listen, hold on now. Lined up with the Word of God now, okay? Lined up with the Word of God. But we ought to have that desire of saying, listen, God, whatever I can do for you, if it's on the job site, if it's saying, hey, while I'm here, I'm a witness, I'm a testimony, I'm laboring laboring in love for the Lord, but then something to be able to say, God, my life is yours. Whatever you have for me, that's what it is. If it's be faithful right here at the church, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Thursday, serving God, being a blessing, being an encouragement, then listen, be all in for Jesus. That's a life worth remembering. Now, the world has it that, oh, you do, a, you do a great work and maybe you'll be remembered. You know something? It's not the work for ourselves. It's not the work. It's a labor of love for the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, would you help us? I want a life that is worth remembering. You say, listen, if you're not, if you're not saved, there, there's not much worth remembering whatsoever. going to pass away. But then a dedicated life. I want to every day of my life have something of eternal value. A labor of love. Serving the living and true God. Has it ever dawned on you, listen, who we get to serve? You understand? Now listen. I looked over at Miss Crystal on, on Thursday night. Or maybe early Friday morning. It was right after my birthday. And I appreciate the love. I appreciate all of it. Birthday wishes. I appreciate all of that. Leaned over and I, I looked at Miss Crystal and I said, Crystal, I just hope you know how much I love my life. I, I love it. I said, I, I love you as my wife. I love my children. I love my family. I said, but I absolutely love my life. I don't, I don't believe there's, there's anything right now at, at this point in life that I would say, boy, if I could change this, I'd change it. No, I might change something in your life because I'm praying for you and I want God to be able to give victory and I want you to be growing in the Lord and praise the Lord. And there's things I'd change. I want victory. I want to be growing in the Lord. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about. I just love where I'm at. I, I love what God has us doing and serving him. And I, I don't even consider it. Listen, it's not even a job serving people. Because I view it as this. My ultimate goal is verse number nine. I'm serving the living and true God. Now, how am I serving him? I serve him by serving people. And I thought what God is allowing us for, I said there's no greater joy than being able to serve God with our lives and whatever place he has you in serving God, then thrive there. Enjoy it. Get plugged in, loving to being able to serve God. 
a dedicated life to a cause that is greater. Listen, we're not just saved to sit and not impact others. Christianity, and you've heard this, with God is not just a spectator sport. It's not just sitting back and saying, well, I'm just going to see what happens. Hey, you might come to church on Sunday for a show. I'm not trying to give you one. Just trying to share the scriptures with us and say, listen, there's times. It, it's time to get off the sideline, get plugged in, serve the living and true God. A cause greater. I'm amazed at how many ungodly causes that people will give their hearts and lives to around this world. When I've got the greatest cause. Listen, it's not not my position as pastor, not my position as husband or as father, but listen, it's serving the true and living God in whatever area God has for me. Listen, a delivered life, a dedicated life. But then I thought about this, and I don't I don't like this little word as we get down to verse number three, and patience of hope. As I looked at this phrase, patience of hope, verse number three, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, I believe the parallel explained in its verse number 10, which it says, after we turn to God from idols, we're serving the true and living God, and it says, and to wait for his Son from heaven. But look what he says whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I believe a diligent life is a life worth remembering. Waiting for the coming of Christ, patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he also comes down and gives the explanation of this starting in verse number four down through verse number eight on how while they're waiting the ministry that they had and they were so diligent understanding they're serving the lord they're waiting for christ but here's where some christians we got to be careful at We believe Jesus is coming back. We believe that he's delivered us from the wrath to come. Listen, I'm not going to be facing that. Christ has taken us out of here. I believe that according to the scripture. So some just sit back and say, well, I'll just wait for Jesus to come. I don't believe that's how it is. I believe having a diligent life of paying close attention, of laboring and being purposeful, in our labor of love and focused on the coming of Christ. Do you understand? I believe Jesus is coming back. You know what that means? I want to do all I can before he comes. I want to. I want to do all I can. Listen, there's people I came in contact with this week that before I was able to sit down and talk to them, they were not ready to meet God. But I was able to sit down and start talking to them. And after, listen, after a little while sharing scripture with them, they bowed their head, called upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And guess what? Now they're ready. Now, as I think about that, there's 47,000 people just in Concord. That's a whole bunch. They're not ready to meet their Savior. They're not ready ready to meet their God. You say, well, how are they going to get ready? Boy, I'm going to be diligent. Because you know something, here's what I'm thinking. What if, and here's where the diligence came, what if an Edward Kimball was not diligent 
to go reach that young man that was working in a shoe store in Boston, Massachusetts. You know what he was? Listen, it wasn't just about I'm showing up on Sunday and whoever comes in, that's who I'm going to minister to. But he was diligent every day, I believe, of his life looking for those that he could minister to. Why? Because he believed the Lord Jesus Christ was coming back. And then D.L. Moody, diligent. Listen, up until the very last moment. Do you understand? Let me give you this. Talk about diligent. I've been in the house where D.L. Moody took his last breaths. There's a balcony just outside of the room where he drew his last breath, and the people, knowing that he was about to die, stood outside that balcony asking for one more time for him to come and be able to share the good news of the Scriptures. I believe it was this, that he came out and he set a candle. And he said, I'll preach till the candle goes out. And he began sharing the scriptures when the candle went out. He closed down his message, walked back into the bedroom, laid there on the bed, and just a few moments later drew his last breath and went out into eternity. You say, what are you saying? A diligent life. Listen, he could have laid there. He could have had his last conversations and just given up. But he was diligent to the last days. Listen, a life worth remembering. And I thought, listen, here, here's the, the opposite of that. Is Jesus said over in Revelation chapter number 3, if you're an overcomer, you're obeying the Lord, you're doing what's right. He said, listen, in verse number 5, he said, I'll not blot you out of my book. I believe this. I believe we get into eternity. I, I simply believe it's going to come down to two. Those that are saved, those that are unsaved, those that are remembered, and those that are now, when we say those that are remembered and those that are not, listen, I believe one of the things that's going to take place for those that are unsaved, those that, are, uh, that, are, that did not give their hearts and lives over to the Lord, listen, I just believe that they're just going to be wiped from the books of history. Just as if they never lived never accomplished anything because the Bible says this in John chapter 15, for without me, you can do nothing. So do you understand those that live, those that are born, those that live, you can do all the good works that you want to do, but if you're doing it without Christ, listen, according to eternity and history, it's nothing. Just as if we never existed. Can you imagine living our lives and coming to the end of it? It's like we were never here. I thought, Lord, I don't want that to be said about my life. I want it to be, listen, he had a life worth remembering. You say, Pastor, you just want to get your name down in history? No. But I do want people to be able to remember, boy, he served his Savior. He served the true and living God. He was dedicated to a cause that was greater than himself. He had a diligent life. Listen, it wasn't all about earthly pleasure, but it was about serving the Savior and making sure that our life counts for something. You say, well, my life's not going exactly the way that I want it to go. That can change today. 
It can change today. You say, well, I'm not even sure I'm a, I'm a child of God. If you're not sure you're a child of God, then can I say that can change today? You can turn to God. You say, well, it's not from idols. Well, I'll say this. I believe in a way it is because when we turn to God, we're turning from that which we are serving, which is ourselves. And we're turning to God. That can take place today, your work of faith, your labor of love. Maybe you're not dedicated to the cause that Christ has put you in and laboring for him and saying, this is what I desire to do for the Lord. Or maybe we have a cause, we're just not being diligent in that cause. We could take it or leave it. We're not patience in hope, of hope looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want it to be said of Peter Chamberlain that he he was born, he lived and died, never made an impact. Listen, we can go back over and we can read about, we could tell the testimonies of those that that died for us to be able to have the freedoms we have today. And I'm thankful for that. But you know something? Nations, countries, constitutions, they come and go. That's not my God. That's not my Savior. Listen, I'm thankful to live in America, but America is not my Savior. And nobody running for that White House is my Savior either, okay? I'll just say that. They all come and go. But you know who's been here for eternity? My God. Talk about investing our lives in a life worth remembering by serving the true and living God. Let me ask you something. If your life were to come to an end, first of all, do you know that you'll be in eternity with Jesus? Second of all, is your life worth remembering because it's been invested for eternity and it's been given over to the Lord? Or would we have to say, I haven't done much for him? I'll share this testimony and I'll close. Several years ago, probably 15, 16 years ago now, as I was preaching, I was preaching about missions. There was a missions conference at a church. It's during that one of those nights, probably I started on a Wednesday night and it was probably Thursday or Friday. After I got done preaching, there was a retired couple that came down and knelt right here on this side of the, the, the pulpit, right down here at the altar in the other church where I was preaching. And they were weeping. They were both early 60s at that time. And they got up afterwards, and I met them at the back, and they came over and talked to me. I'd, I'd only met them once or twice before that. They came over and talked to me, and they said, Peter... They said, we're in our 60s. And here's what they said. To the best of our knowledge, I don't think I've done anything for them. They'd lived their life, had their retirement, had everything, lived in a bigger house than I could ever imagine living in, that I could ever imagine my wife cleaning. (laughs) I wouldn't put that on her, by the way. Had everything. But he said this, we've never done anything for the Lord. And I looked back at him and I said, it's not too late. I said, you're still breathing. You still got your breath. Your your heart's still pumping. It's not too late. 
A few months later, I was getting ready to buy a plane ticket to go over to Ghana, West Africa. I had some work to be able to do over there in churches and schools and prisons to be able to go preaching. And he called me, Peter, is it possible for us to go with you? I said, sure is. He said, all right, when you buy your ticket, buy two of them for us. He said, we're going. I said, you are paying for your own tickets, right? I mean, that's not going to be left on my account, right? He said, we got it taken care of. He said, we've never done anything for the Lord. He said, but we're starting. Hey, can I tell you this? They weren't the most seasoned Christian. They'd been saved for years. I can't say they were very mature at that point as far as Christianity. We got over there, had a had a tremendous trip. Tremendous. They come into my my hotel room at the on the on the last day, and said, "Boy, boy, God's just blessed." And what we were able to be part of, and and be able to get the word of God out there, and and I had him give some testimony and impact lives. And he said, "Can we do this again with you?" I said, "Why not?" I dealt with a couple things. I told you they they were still rough around the edges. And I didn't have a problem saying it to him. We chuckle about it today, but I said, if you can work on your cussing a little bit while we're on the ministry trip, I said, that would help out a little bit. I said, as we're, we're out and around, I said, just try to work on that. And I said, we'll get some things taken care of. Okay, okay, no problems. Next trip, I'm getting ready to, hey, book a ticket for me. And can I say this for the next 10 years or so? Just about every place I went, he said, buy me a ticket. He said, I just want to do something and be diligent about it to be able to serve and spend my life for the living and true God. And I say this, it's not too late. Get plugged in. Do something for the Lord. Spend your life serving Jesus. It may just be an encouragement to someone else, saying a word of encouragement, writing them a note, sending them, a, making a phone call to someone. Do people still make phone calls? making a phone call to someone, say, hey, I'm praying for you, talking to them on the phone, sending them a letter, going by and visiting them. Listen, just simple things, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. 